But it's really exciting because we, we, you know, as, as a church, we really believe in, and I'm sure all churches do believe this, but as a church, we believe in uh, that we should see ourselves as disciples, amen, and that God's, uh, God's got a journey, a journey for us. You know, vision point five of our 10, diff- 10, 10 different points um, that we've looked at over the last uh, couple of weeks it's kind of the church that we see, and this is kind of the culture that, that we're striving to have as a church, as, as leaders, as pastors, is what we want to see. It's have a discipleship culture where every person in our church family is walking in a maturing relationship with God, strong in Christian character, and fruitful in life. Amen? To have a discipleship culture where every person, so that means you, turn to the person next to you and say, that means you. Awesome, and that's very American. Was it? Turn to the person next to you. So, um, but but it does mean you, and it means me, and it means you. For for every person in our church family is walking in a maturing relationship with God. So that's God's design. And we've talked about this before. That God, and hopefully, this shouldn't be a shock to you if you're a believer this morning. There shouldn't be a shock that God has an agenda for your life. And we all have to be okay with that. We all have to be good with that. That's what we've signed up for, right? That's part of being a believer. We've been bought, we've been bought out of price. You know, we've now brought ourselves under the kingship and lordship of, of Christ. We've been brought out of the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. We've got a, we've got a new king, amen, amen. Who, who's overseeing our life. And, and part of, you know, being in a new kingdom means submission to the new, to the new king, right? That's, that's a reality. So, so, so God is not being unreasonable when he expects things from us, Amen. So he has an agenda for, for my life. He has an agenda for your life. And that agenda is to walk in a maturing relationship with him and, and to be more and more Christ-like. And of course, the things he desires for you to do in your inner life and to reach people, etc. But ultimately, his agenda for you is to, is to make him, to make you, sorry, make more and more like Jesus. Amen? We're strong in Christian character and fruitful in life. And I just want to use a kind of an analogy, uh, analogy this morning. Just kind of uh, give you this picture. So if you could put up the first picture I sent you down, that'd be awesome. Now we live in a new forest. I know we're not in, in a national park here, but we're in the new forest district, aren't we? We're near, we're near enough in a national park, so we'll call it a new forest. Okay, now this is, some of you, I don't know if any of you recognize this, this is Nightwood Oak. Anyone heard of Nightwood Oak? Anyone know Nightwood Oak? So this is believed to be the oldest tree in the new forest. It's just off... Um, Boldwood Ornamental Drive, and I know that, that road, a beautiful bit of the forest, though, is, is amazing. Hence why it's called the Ornamental Drive. It's a beautiful bit of, of the forest, right? Sort of just past Rhinefield um, towards kind of Boulderwood Car Park where the deer, you know, that deer sanctuary is, if you know that kind of part of the forest. So it's just off, it's just off the road there. This is Nightwood Oak. It's believed to be between five and 600 years old. So it's, this is believed to be the oldest tree uh, um, in the new forest. Obviously, a lot of old trees. If you know your history, a lot of old trees got cut down to build, like Lord Nelson ships and stuff. That's where a lot of the old oak trees went. Okay, so but there are still some of the really old ones. Just believed to be between five and six hundred years old. Okay, now another kind of analogy to bring into this. I, I don't know if how you know we're all different ages here this morning, and I don't know whether you all grew up in this area. But does anyone remember the infamous hurricane of 1987? And I remember that. There's a few people here. Okay, so if you don't know, so in October 1987, southern England, southern England was hit the worst, kind of Hampshire, West Sussex, East Sussex, um, and Kent kind of got the worst, got the worst of it, and unbelievably we had a hurricane, which obviously never really happens in Britain, I know we get a lot of storms and crazy weather, 
often in the same day, four seasons in the same day. <laughs> that's, that's Britain, isn't it? But we very rarely get hurricanes. I think it was the first one for like 300 years. And what was even weirder about the time, if you remember infamously that on the BBC weather, they said, there's no chance of a hurricane. Do I remember that? <laughs> Michael Fish, the famous weatherman, said there's no chance of being a weather. <laughs> exactly, it's still talked about now. It's like, you might have heard there's going to be a hurricane, there is no chance. Um, and it, it came and hit the south of, south of England. Um, and was really, really devastating. Um, I was 11 at the time, which makes me 47 now. Before you, to save you working out, to save you working out. Okay? So I was 11 at the time. Um, and we lived sort of right out in the New Forest near, near Limington um, at the time. And it was a crazy night. I remember the night really, really well. It was quite scary. Kind of where we lived anyway, there were no street lights. So at night it's pitch black anyway. Because um, it's, kind of, it's quite rural. And you could literally hear trees coming down. You hear the noise. You hear the massive cracks and the thuds. It was like... Okay, <laughs> when, when 11 years old, that's quite scary. Um, it, was, it was quite strange, because it all happened during the night. It wasn't during the day at all. It was all when it was dark. And, um, and, the, and the following day, um, kind of got up. I just started secondary school at that time, and um, couldn't go to school, because you couldn't even get... My school was in Limington. You couldn't even get to Limington from where we lived. It was only about three miles, but there were trees down everywhere, so you couldn't get there uh, by car or bus. Um, so we had the day off, which was, which was fun. I kind of went into kind of the local enclosure. Um, you know how there's different enclosures and they're across the New Forest. So there's loads around here as well, Forley and Marchwood and, uh, of course, Dibden, etc. There's loads around here, isn't there? Um, and if you know anything about the enclosures, they're full of pine trees. And they're specifically grown in order to grow for, for wood. They're not native. They're Scottish, uh, Scots pines. And they're grown uh, to use for timber harvesting. Everyone know this? Right? Kind of get a bit of history and knowledge of the area, right? This, that's what happens in this area. So they're not native. That's why they look very different to all the other kind of trees. They're very, very tall, aren't they? Very straight um, because they're great for like, house building, etc. So that's, that's why they're there. Anyway, but we kind of went to our local enclosure and it was total devastation. I mean, I remember it, it, was, it wasn't actually that far to kind of the other side, the gate, the other side, but it must have taken us, I don't know if you remember, Dad, but it took us about three or four, in my head, anyway, it took us about three hours, I think, to get to the other side, because you had to kind of just clamber over everything. If you can put this next picture up, this isn't a photo I took, okay, but this is, this is, this is from the hurricane of 87, okay? So this is what loads of the enclosures like this across the waterside um, looked like this as well. It was just total devastation, just flattened everywhere. Um, it, it was crazy. Now, the reason I'm saying all this, okay, it's not a history lesson okay, of a new forest. This is all relevant. Okay, you may wonder where I'm going. Okay, but so, so I showed that really old oak. Okay, so why were these very old oaks, this five, six hundred year old oak, and others like it? Why were they left standing? But in that in that hurricane that happened, but hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands of pine trees were flattened. Why? Roots, absolutely. So, very good, very good. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, the pine trees are far younger and far less strong, but the, but the main thing is, is the roots. You know, depths of tree, again, it's a little bit of a biology lesson, but the depth of tree roots can vary widely based on the tree species and environmental conditions, but something like a pine tree, the, the roots are probably only about, a foot, only about a foot deep and don't actually go that wide either, so they're very easy, with strong winds anyway, to uproot. Whereas an oak tree, they go about a meter, about a meter deep, and they can be as wide as much as three times the width of the actual tree span. I don't mean the, I don't mean the, the you know the trunk. I mean the, you know the canopy. It can be three times as wide as that and a meter deep. So obviously, they're much much harder to uproot. Okay, so kind of keep that analogy in your head because what we're talking about today is rooted. If you put up down, rooted. Hey, there we go. So that's all to say that. <laughs> okay. 
And so that's what I want to talk about today, and we're going to be talking this over kind of like the coming weeks as we continue to talk about discipleship, but about being rooted in God. You know, being rooted in God is all about the journey of discipleship and understanding that God desires us to put down deep roots in him. God wants us to have strong roots. God wants us to have strong roots in the storms of life. Why is it when some, and I'm not judging anybody, I'm not thinking of anything in particular or anyone in particular, okay? But just, just a question to think about, something to ponder. Why is it when some Christians, they face storms, they're absolutely fine, and some other Christians face the same storm, but they kind of fall flat on their face? Why? There is a reason it's not, it's not coincidence, because, because some, some Christians will be very deep-rooted in God and in their trust of God, and obviously some people's circumstances, some of your circumstances here, you face some real, incredibly difficult stuff, so I'm not making light of any of those issues, okay? But what I am saying, we can all have deep roots in God and face the storms of life. Jesus used another analogy, didn't he, about building our life on the rock, and that's how he described it in that sense. Been our life on the rock, and when you when you when you you know follow Jesus and and His words and put those things into practice, it's like building your life on a rock. And if you don't do that, it's like building your life on sand. And when the storm and the wind and the waves come, your life is just going to collapse, right? So God wants us to have strong roots, Amen. God also wants us to be fruitful and productive. What I think is amazing about oak trees. Um, is they just come from a little acorn. That just amazes me. In like 600 years of growth, you've got this whacking, whacking great tree. But it's just, it's just, it's just amazing. But God wants us to be fruitful and productive just like a tree is, or an old, old oak tree, to stand strong in him, to have deep roots in him. And there's a number of scriptures that talk about this. Psalm 1, verses 1 to 3 says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree that's planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. This is God's intention for our lives, and meant to be so deeply rooted in him. We're like a tree that's planted by a stream of water. We're fruitful, our leaf does not wither, whatever we do prospers in God not because of our own ability not because we're just amazing although you may sure you are an amazing person but not just because of that it's because our deep our roots are deep in God amen we're getting sustenance we get from from the river of God from the water of God and there's life is Holy Spirit God's intention for your life is to be fruitful amen Jeremiah 17 verse 7 to 8 says this kind of similar type of words but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord whose confidence is in him. There will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought. It never fails to bear fruit. You can see the, the, the things that happen when, when someone has their life uh, deep-rooted in God. It doesn't fear. It's always green. You know, that can mean always healthy. I don't just mean in terms of physical health. I mean just the way you're, the way you're living your life. is You're living a healthy Christian life. That's what I mean by that, okay? You're, you're always healthy in God. You're, you're green. You, you, have, you have no worries. It doesn't mean say you might not be facing a whole load of stuff, but you have no worries in a year of drought because your, your roots are deep in God. Your, your trust is in him. Amen? And also we bear fruit. It says it has no worries in a year of drought. It never fails to bear fruit. Amen? So this is God's intention for your life. There's such deep roots in him. This has nothing to do with how long you've been a Christian. 
It's nothing to do with your age. I've seen, I've seen people who are, who are older in the Christian faith who are quite immature, and I've seen people who are young in the faith who are very mature in God. It's got nothing to do with age. It's nothing to do with how long you've been a Christian. Okay? It's, it's all about how deep your roots are in God. So how much, you, how much you trust him, how much you're allowing him to change your life, how much you're bringing yourself under submission, and then how much the Holy Spirit is, is working uh, in your life, as it says again about the, about the streams. You could take that into the streams of the Holy Spirit working in your life. Amen? Now Jesus, again, kind of uses a similar type of analogy, the parable of the sower, where Jesus, of course, talks about, about sowing the word and, and, and a different type of harvest it produces in, in people's lives depending on their heart condition. Matthew 13, verse 20 to 21, and, 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 the parable, uh, and the people listening to the parable don't really understand it, and disciples really don't understand it. So, so they asked Jesus uh, to explain it. So Matthew 13, verse 20, it says this, The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So the actual issue here is what Jesus is saying. is not the trouble or the persecution, although who wants that? <laughs> okay, <laughs> no one really wants that, obviously. Okay, but the actual issue isn't the trouble or the persecution. It's the fact they had no root. Does that make sense? Okay. So this is why, again, it's so important to be rooted. If you have no root or a shallow root, it's so easy to fall away. That's what, that's what Jesus is saying here. So many people, so many Christians, when they face the storms of life, they <clears throat> it starts to change their view of God, or uh, they fall away, or they they, they feel feel discouraged. And as I said, some of these issues that you may face in your life or might be facing right now, are very very real issues. Okay, but but this is why we need to be so strong in God and so rooted in who God is. Amen. And, and being rooted all means about how we see ourselves. Because God doesn't want us to see us as a Christian or as a believer. He wants to see ourselves as disciples. You know, being a disciple and being a believer, not, I don't actually think are actually the same thing. And we're all kind of on that. I'm not saying it's kind of like either or in one sense. But they're not exactly the same thing. Because believing means we believe. Great. But God also then wants us to change us. You remember Pastor Andy when he used his analogy uh, a couple of a couple of Sundays ago on video when he talked about the, he talked about the, the fisherman and the thief, and he talked and he was talking about Peter, he's talking about Peter the fisherman, and he was talking about the thief who was saved, um, you know, who's on the cross next to Jesus, and they both both received salvation but had very very different experiences. One was kind of saved at the last minute, and that's awesome because they're on their way to heaven, and they, and they meant it, they were repentant, they knew they were they knew they were guilty, um, and they they totally understood that Jesus was innocent. And what was kind of going on in that situation. And Jesus saved them. And that's amazing. You know, but Peter, the fisherman, was saved. And then God radically changed his life as, as he journeyed with Jesus, right? So they have two, does that make sense? They have two different kind of experiences. Because one was kind of a believer and was saved. But, but, but Peter was one of the disciples. And, of course, all the other disciples, apart from Judas, obviously had his issues. <laughs> okay, but the other 11 were where God totally transformed their lives. Amen? Completely different people to, to who, who Jesus first interacted with because they became disciples they, they walked close with Jesus they, they were deeply rooted in Jesus they hung around with Jesus they spent, spent time with Jesus they listened to Jesus they allowed him to change, change their thinking Amen so this is what it means to be a disciple to see ourselves on, on that journey Amen a journey of, into all that God has for us and all that God desires for us you know I love the scripture about you know do not conform to the pattern of this world be transformed by the renewing of your mind, Romans 12, verse, uh, verse 2. Uh, verse 1, sorry. Um, and, um, you know, 
God has, a, again, an agenda for your thinking, even the way that we think about things. It needs to be changed. You know, our world has a, it has a pattern and a way of thinking about things, doesn't it? And we see this a lot, and some people call it the culture wars. This is how it gets, kind of gets labelled these days, the culture wars, which probably isn't very helpful, but it's the way the media describe it. Because the world kind of has a certain way of thinking, and here we are as, here we are as believers, as disciples, and God desires for us to have a different way of thinking. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying everything out in the world is, is bad or terrible. I'm not saying that. But there are certainly certain uh, aspects of the way the world thinks that definitely are not godly. Everyone agree, right? And that's just not just true in recent times. That's been true for thousands of years. Right? And that the world has a certain way of thinking. And, you know, as, as believers, we're, you know, God's desire for us is to think in a different way. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Again, that's part of being a disciple. So now that kind of analogy we're using, again, Pastor Andy kind of uh, uh, touched on this as well, is, is, you know, when you're learning to drive and you have an L-plate. Everyone passed, passed your driving test? Put your hand off your passed your driving test. Yeah. The fun of driving your tires. Sorry? Yes. <laughs> Anyone who drove today who didn't pass a driving test, put your hand up. <laughs> oh, please, please. <laughs> anyway. Don't, don't know. I don't know. That's been, you, that's been you and God. What can I say to that? Um, you know, but when you're, when you're learning to drive, which of course you can do from, in the UK, you can do from 17, um, you have to get a provisional license, of course, and you can put an L plate on a car, and then you can, uh, obviously, you've got to be insured, but then you can drive, drive that car. Um, and it's all part of learning to drive. It's, a, it's an interesting experience, isn't it, learning to drive? Recently been through that with Lisa, who passed in August last year, and Jack's about. Turn 17, God help us. <laughs> so, I'll, warn, I'll warn you when he's on the road. <laughs> Bless him. <laughs> he's a right old boy racer, or will be, I expect. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. No, not, not like I'm never like that, obviously. <laughs> but you have an L plate on your car, don't you? And, it, and it's just to make other drivers aware um, uh, that you're a learner. I don't actually know whether it's always a helpful thing i don't know <laughs> at times but but it is to make other people aware isn't it and hopefully to give you a bit more space and a bit more grace hopefully as well is that is kind of the thinking behind it isn't it um you don't necessarily know what you're doing but but what is a reality is when you um is when you finally do pass your tests and these days you have to do a theory test as well and, and all sorts of tests you have to do a hazard perception at least you have to do all this has hazard perception test and those your old you missed all this stuff it's fun stuff <laughs> i'd do the theory test but i didn't have to do the hazard perception that's quite a new thing and it's become a lot harder theory test as well you know your highway code inside out and you even get asked about bits of the car where where does it what does a dipstick do and where where do you put the oil where where do, where, do, where, do you, where do you put the screen wash and all that kind of stuff you have to know those things these days. I can ask you that on the test. You have to know all that stuff. So, there you go. That wasn't supposed to be funny. That was just using that word. Okay? <laughs> that was unintentionally funny. Anyway. But there you go. But you have to know what those bits of the car... They, they can ask you that on the test. So you have to know some of the basics of what a car is made up of and where you, where you stick stuff, etc. Oil and water, screen wash, etc. Anyway. But everyone who's passed their test, you know that the real learning begins once you pass your test, Right? That's that the reality, isn't it? The real learning begins when you don't have an instructor next to you. You don't have the dual controls. You are totally in charge of the car. You've probably never been on a motorway. You can go on motorways now with an instructor. That's a new thing that's happened. Learner drivers can now go on motorways, but only with an instructor. Um, so there's been a bit of a change. But the reality is most learner drivers, when you pass your test, you won't have ever been on a motorway, and that can be a bit scary. Sometimes there's these massive lorries, and everyone's going faster. And you know, if it's, if it's wet, you get all the spray comes up. and It's, it's scary, isn't it, man? 
and, and even kind of driving out in the forest, which is a bit different. People aren't necessarily driving really fast, but you've got ponies and cows and everything else that likes a deer. They like to stand in the road. <laughs> and to be fair, they have right away in the way in the new forest. So you kind of have to just try and give way to them. I hit, I hit a deer about a year ago, um, unfortunately. And I didn't. I didn't. I didn't do it deliberately. I didn't do it deliberately either. There's always one. There's always one, indeed. But anyway, I did damage. Did do a bit of damage. I damaged the radiator. But dear bless them, it had plenty of time to get out of the way, and it just literally just ran. It ran into the car rather than me actually hitting it. But that's kind of dear. There's the whole phrase, isn't there? Deer caught in headlights, and it's, it's very true. They panic, don't they? Whereas ponies and cows. Don't necessarily panic, they just stand there. They <laughs> just don't do anything instead. But anyway, there we go. So driving in the forest, you've kind of got all these other kind of um, hazards, um, don't you, around here. But anyway, but the real learning begins once you pass your test. Stop distracting me. The real learning begins <laughs> once you've passed your test. And being a competent driver, which hopefully we all strive to be competent drivers, we'll be each other's judge of whether we are competent, I guess. But hopefully we all strive to be competent drivers, and that means being willing to keep learning, right? That's a reality, isn't it? You've been willing to keep uh, to keep learning. So, uh, to understand, it, it's kind of it's kind of a lifelong thing uh, of of as you continue to learn to drive, and then you you know as you get older, often you drive more powerful cars and stuff. And then that's a whole other thing you kind of have to have to learn, which can be different from old cars. And obviously, cars have got a lot better uh, these days, anyway. But you know, the real learning begins once you've passed your test. You know, so I think we need to see ourselves kind of to keep this analogy going. Is it's a kind of like the L plate on our lives. So we need to see ourselves as continual learners. You know, when we become a Christian, it's not like oh, we've now we've, we're now saved, which is true, but we've now like passed the test. Let's rip up the L plates. We're, we're done and dusted. We're on our way to heaven. You know, that would be one way of looking at it, like the thief on the cross. But that's not God's desire for your life. We need to keep that L plate on the car of our lives, to see ourselves as students in the classroom of Christ. Amen? That we just need to keep on learning. Praise God. And we're going to be studying, uh, Pastor Andy to touch on this, but we're going to be studying four major topics over, the, over this year. So there be four things I believe that are going to really, really help you, some real kind of, uh, you know, some real great teaching that's really going to help you on your discipleship journey. We're looking at four different ologies, so don't need to be freaked out by these long words, okay? No, you don't have to spell it. Okay, so the first one is Christology we're going to look at, which is the doctrine, the doctrine of Christ, and about, about who Jesus, who Jesus is, you know, what he was all about, what he, what he came to do, etc. We're going to start that next week, and it's going to go on for a few weeks. So we're going to look at Christology. Um, after Easter, we're going to look at Soteriology. That just comes from the Greek word for salvation, okay? So that's the doctrine of salvation, so you look at that coming off the back of Easter, which is a good time to look at it, right? Talk about salvation off the back of Easter. Um, later in the year, we're going to look at pneumatology. Not numerology, that's, that's odd. <laughs> that's, a weird, that's a weird new age thing about numbers, okay? So don't get freaked, don't get freaked out. And don't misunderstand it. Pneumatology, okay? Not Scientology either, that's, that's not good. Okay. Pneumatology. Okay, that's, that's a doctrine. Again, it uses the Greek word for the Holy Spirit. Okay, so it's a doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And what the Holy Spirit is all about, what he's there to do, why he's indwells us, what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit desires to do in our lives, how he empowers us and, and equips us. And then, um, then we're also going to look at eschatology, another long word, which is a doctrine of the end times. And just understand where we're, kind of, where we're at as a world, what, what God's doing, um, understanding about the, about the rapture, about the second coming of Jesus, all stuff that's predicted in Scripture and we, we believe, but don't always understand necessarily all kind of the 
uh, the detail. I know there, there can be a few different opinions on it, and they're all kind of valid opinions in, in many cases. But we're going to talk about the doctrine of, of the end times and what that's, what that's all about. So I think that's going to be really helpful for you as well. Okay, so we're looking at over the next, well, over this, over this year, 2024, but Christ, starting Christology next week. But this is all about seeing yourself as a learner. Even the L plate on your life, or to go use the tree analogy, which is right there, about being rooted in Christ. About being rooted in him, knowing what you believe. Knowing what you believe and why you believe it. Amen? Understanding who Jesus is. Who Jesus is to you. What Jesus intends to do in your life. Understanding what the Holy Spirit is. Understanding salvation. What does it actually mean that you're saved? What does it mean that you're a new creation? The old has gone and a new has come. What does it actually mean for your life? It's not just nice theology. What does it actually mean for your life? Amen? And the doctrine of the end times, again, what, is, again, what does that mean for your life? What, what does it mean? How, how, does it, how does it affect you today? We know we need to live, we need to live ready and, and ready, ready for the rapture. Okay? As, as scripture commands us, commands us to do, but understand what Jesus says about that, what Revelation says about, about that, uh, etc. Okay? How does this actually affect my life today? So, so this is all stuff that we're going to be looking at. So let's see ourselves as learners. And see ourselves as, as, as an oak tree where God intends for the roots to go really deep in him. That when the wind and the storm and, and the, the, the waves of life... <laughs> I need to take a photo. Um, um, when you know, the wind and the storm and the waves of life come, that we remain strong in him. We're not like the pine tree that just gets flattened in, in, in the wind. We stand so strong in him. Amen. And who God is and how rooted we are in him. Just to kind of close, Luke 9, verse 23 to 25, a well-known passage. Jesus says this, Then Jesus said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self or their very soul? Okay, so there's three, just three very quick aspects just to draw out of this as we understand about being rooted, keeping the L plate on our life, being, being a learner. So to be a disciple or, or student of Jesus, firstly, it requires you to deny, deny yourself. Okay, again, hopefully this is not a shock to you. Okay, this is what Jesus said, right? So being a disciple of Jesus, it requires you to deny yourself. And that doesn't just mean just denying certain things or not, 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 not living a lifestyle of sin, and we all mess up, but I'm talking about living a lifestyle of sin. Okay? It does mean denying that and living under the lordship of Christ. Yes, that's true. But also denying personal control of your life. I understand that your life is God's. Yeah. As I said earlier, we've been bought at a price. Amen? We've brought under, we brought under a new kingship, under the dominion of darkness, but we're under a new king. Amen? It's in the kingdom of light. It's not just denying certain things in your life, but denying total control of your life. Understand that you're now living, living for God with him as, as king and lord. Amen? So to be a disciple and student, it requires someone to deny themselves. It, it requires you to take up your cross. What I believe this means is to make the necessary commit, commitment, be willing to pay the price of commitment, whatever, whatever that looks like. Now, in, in the West, it's unlikely, certainly at this stage, although things are changing quick, you know, it's unlikely you're going to be, you know, be put in prison for being a Christian, or that may, that may come. And I think probably some people would want it in this country and the way things are going. But currently that wouldn't happen. Okay, you can you can be a Christian. We can meet freely and etc. Uh, etc. Et okay, so it's not like in some countries, you know, where they literally it is a life or death issue. That is true in much of the world, isn't it? 
you know, speak to Graham. He works, Graham works, he works with open doors. It's a reality across much of the world. You know, China, North Korea, many of the many African countries. I think Nigeria is now the worst country to be a Christian of all places. You would think it was like the Middle East, wouldn't you? But Iran and Iraq and Saudi Arabia, you know, we can't even have a you can't even have a Bible. You can't even get through customs with a Bible and all that kind of stuff. Where it's incredibly strict. What's interesting, Jack, Jack, my son Jack, he asked me the question once. He's like, if they if they think Christianity is rubbish. Why do they ban? It's a great question. If 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 Muslims in or these hardline Muslim countries, if they think Christianity is rubbish, why do they ban the books? It doesn't make any sense. If they think it's some kind of fairy tale, well, that's just like ban banning Disney books or something, banning Cinderella or something. Isn't it? Why why do they have to ban it if they think it's rubbish? It's because it's because they know. I think deep down they know there's truth there. They know there's truth there, and they're just terrified about what could happen if people start having a revelation of who Jesus um, actually is. But anyway. So for us in the West, making a necessary commitment may not mean prison, and it may not mean execution, and that's a very real reality for some people in other parts of the world, but being paying the price of commitment, being willing to pay the price of all that God has for us, to take up our cross daily, you know, and be willing to kind of live that out in our, in our daily lives. And it might mean people make fun of us that it's, you know, that, yeah, life could be a challenge, but being willing to pay that price of commitment. Amen? So to be a discipleship student requires someone to deny themselves, to come under the Lordship of Christ, to take up your cross, be willing to pay the price of commitment. And thirdly, as Jesus said, to, to follow him. To follow, follow Jesus and the examples of Jesus. You know, even the Apostle Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. And so if you're going to follow my leadership, that's great, but I'm following Christ. <laughs> so you're just following Christ, right? Follow me as I follow Christ. Follow the example and teachings of Jesus. That's what it means to be a disciple. What did Jesus say about that? And Jesus had a lot to say about life, right? Jesus had a lot to say about you know, our lives, even though it was, he said it 2,000 years ago. It's just as relevant uh, today, amen? So to be a disciple or a student, it requires you to deny, your, deny yourself, take up your cross, make the necessary commitment, and follow the example and teachings of Jesus. Follow him. Amen. So let's, let's keep the L plate on our lives. As we get talk, start talking about Christology next week and as we talk about different aspects of discipleship, the kind of ologies I've mentioned, okay? Let's be committed to grow and mature in our Christian walk. God wants you to be so deep-rooted in him. You know, what, what's so amazing about God is he, you know, God doesn't have any favorites, Scripture says. You know, he's not, you know he's, he, he loves everyone the same. And he wants every single person to be deep-rooted in him. Amen? It's not like, it's like he just wants a few, Leon. You know, but he doesn't want it for you, Kevin, or doesn't want it for you, Patrick. You know, doesn't want it for you, Annie, or you, Tanya. No, he wants it for every single person. He wants every person to be deep-rooted in him. Amen? Whatever your background, however long you've been a Christian, whatever your age, he wants you to be so deep-rooted. Amen? That when the wind and storm and circumstance of life come, you just be so strong in him. Totally immovable. Not because of who you are, but because of who you are in him. Amen? And let's keep the L plate on our lives. See ourselves as continual learners in him. Amen. Praise God. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you, God. You're so good. What an amazing, amazing God that you are. Praise you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Lord, firstly, Lord, we say thank you, Lord, for saving us. Lord, thank you for your salvation. Lord, thank you for what you did on the cross for us, Lord God. Lord, we also recognize, Lord, Lord, when we were saved, Lord, you brought us out of the dominion of darkness and into the kingdom of your Son and into the kingdom of light. 
Lord, we come under your, your kingship and your lordship. Lord, and we, Lord, we recognize, Lord, you have an agenda for our lives. Oh, God. So we just say, Lord, we, we, Lord, Lord, as believers, Lord, we're willing to come under that agenda. Lord, we want to see ourselves not just as believers, Lord, but, but as disciples, as students. Students in the classroom of Christ, Lord God. Lord, may you teach us. Lord, may you, Lord, may you change our thinking. Lord, we don't want to conform to the pattern of this world. Lord, change our thinking. May we be renewed. Lord, may we be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Lord, may we be more like you. Lord, may the, may the, Lord, the Holy Spirit within us, Lord, just produce such fruit in us of love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. All those things, Lord, you desire to produce in us. Lord, that fruit that you desire to do. Lord, may we operate, operate in, in the gifts of the Spirit and all the things that you have for our lives. Lord, may we be so led by you. Lord, may we be obedient to you. Lord, if there's habits and desires and things in our lives, Lord, that are not right, Lord, Lord we ask you, Lord, to deal with them. Lord, we come under your lordship. We thank you, Lord, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. You don't condemn us, Lord, but you do want us to change. Lord God, now I pray you just give us all the power, Lord, and, and, and ability, Lord, just, Lord, to, Lord, to bring change in our lives. Lord, help us to be victorious over temptation. We know that temptation is not a sin, but giving in to it is. And Lord, Lord give us all the, all the power, equip us and empower us. Lord, to overcome sin and habits, Lord, there might be issues in our lives. We ask you to forgive us and to wash us clean. Oh God, and Lord, we thank you that we, if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Lord, we thank you for the truth of that. Lord, change us. Lord, make us, make us new. Do what you desire to do, Lord, in our lives. Lord, and may we be so deep-rooted, Lord, in you. We don't want to be like, like those pine trees, Lord, that are just kind of flattened by the, the wind of life. Lord, we want to be like an oak tree standing firm in you. Lord, and not because of who we are, but because of who we are in you. Not because of who our personality type, or just the type of person that we are, Lord, but it's because of who we are in you, Lord God. However long we've been a Christian, whatever our, our, whatever our background, Lord God, we want to be deep-rooted in you. May our roots go down so, so deep, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Change us. Make us new. Mold us. Change us. Lord, fulfill your agenda for our lives. And may we keep that L plate upon our lives to see ourselves as continuous learners in you. Lord, not just believers, Lord, but as, dis- as disciples. Praise you, God, that we just mature in our walk with you. Thank you, Lord God. You're an amazing, amazing God. I just want to pray a second prayer. Just give anyone an opportunity this morning. If you've never invited God into your life, the great news is you can do that this morning. And, or maybe maybe in, in this kind of... Uh, what we've been talking about in discipleship this morning, that's just kind of challenged you and maybe you've gone a bit off track in your, in your journey with God. You know, and, and as I said earlier, in that scripture, Romans 8, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. You don't need to be condemned. You don't need to feel bad about it. God's just waiting there like he was with the prodigal son when he described kind of how, how the father loves us. He's just waiting there with open arms. He's just saying, just come back. He's just got to come back. That's all you've got to do is come back. So if that's you this morning or you've never invited God into your life, I just encourage you to pray this prayer and to mean it with all of your heart. Let's all pray this together. Thank you, Jesus, for your amazing love for me. Thank you for dying on a cross for me so that I could have life to the full and eternal life with you. I invite you now into my life. Wash me clean. Forgive me. Make me new. I want to live for you. I want to be your disciple. 
In Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you've never ever prayed a prayer like that before, or you're getting some, just getting something straight with God, just doing business with God. It's not about anybody else in the room, just about you, you and God, you and your Creator. If that's you this morning, I just want you just to pop your hand up and say, yeah, I've prayed that this morning, because we'd love just to come and chat and pray with you afterwards. Amen. I see that hand. Thank you. Anybody else this morning? Praise God. God is so good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's have your way in every single one of our lives. Fulfill your agenda. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. You're such an amazing, amazing God. Amen. Amen. Amen.